0: Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Hello and welcome to this week's Alabama AgCast. I'm your host, Mike Moody. In our studio today, we've got Carla Hornady. Carla works for the Farmers Federation and she's the division director for cotton, soybean, and wheat and feed grain. Welcome, Carla. Thank you. All of these commodities have something in common, and it's called a checkoff. Can you tell us what a checkoff is?
1: Sure. A checkoff is a program that allows for the collection of funds that vary by crop, but can only be used for education, research, and promotion. So of those three checkoffs that we just mentioned, two are state checkoffs, and one is a federal checkoff. So cotton, and wheat and feed grains, which includes wheat, corn, oats, and sorghum, are state checkoffs. So cotton producers pay $1 per bale. Wheat and feed grain growers pay $0.01 per bushel. And then soybeans is a federal checkoff, and it's a half a percent of the market price. But being a federal checkoff, we also, the amount of money we get in, half of that goes back to the United Soybean Board to be worked um, corporately through the United Soybean Board for Research, Education, and Promotion. But as you can see, because of the different amounts and what they're based on, a lot of times the amount of funds we get in vary a lot.
0: I would imagine so, uh, based on market prices. Well, market
1: price and even cotton bales cuz you know, you may have more acres planted, but if a storm comes through and you're not harvesting as much or you're not planting as many acres, you can see a big fluctuation there. And same with right. corn when you don't have those drought years, even dryland corns doing really well, so you'll see more money come in. Mhm
0: so these checkoff dollars are collected what kinds of projects do they fund
1: well as i mentioned it can only be used for education research and promotion the majority of those dollars do go into research Um, a lot of these these three commodities work a lot i don't know that they necessarily know they work together but a lot of the research that they fund is um yeah they overlap the um those same researchers come to all three committees sometimes and ask for funding especially if it Um, concerns cover crops. We know there's a lot of push right now for cover crops. There's producers out there that have been using cover crops for years, but there's been a push from administration right now for for that. So there continues to be research on that. Um, One of the things that producers find most beneficial are field trials and variety testing because that's something that's actually done on the farm so they can see a lot of times when you do it on the research station, it's not done exactly like it's done on the farm. And so being able to do those trials on the farm are um, very beneficial to the... Kind of the, real world. Right, real world situation. to the growers. And then um, variety testing is one of those things. Every company is pushing their variety on what's best. So being able to have those research and to know, you know, what are those seeds putting out and how are they performing? And Auburn has, um, came this year and showed us a really great website, and we'll have that in the show links um, that you can go, and you can pretty much... Put together, whether it's a particular – well, in cotton, if you're looking for strength or you're looking for staple, you can pull those and see what variety perform the best for Mm -hmm. those particular characteristics, and you can do that for any crop, including peanuts. So, that's very exciting to have all that in one place. So, if you grow more than one crop, you don't have to go to different sites. You can go to one site and get all that information. Um, They all do research on insect pressure, disease monitoring, and one of the newest things is drones. We know for years that drones have been beneficial in showing weeds or getting certain data in the middle of the field that you can't see with the eye once the crop gets a certain height, but now last year, we had an issue with a lot of rain. And producers needed to get in the field to spray certain areas for certain weeds, but because of the rain, they couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. And so um, they actually have a new drone that is a spray drone, and Steve Lee is acquiring one of those. And he's going to be doing some research work this summer to see how well those work and how well they take care of the weeds. But that would actually be a great use In these times when we get lots of rain or storms coming through and you need to get in the field because you don't want the weeds to take over your field but you can't get there but to know that there's a drone out there that could take care of that would be a huge relief to to producers and one of the things um, probably the soybeans is most excited about um, we appreciate all the work that's being done you know in those projects but one is Dr. Brian Vio. he's the director of Auburn's Forest Products Development Center and over the past three years he's developed a soy flower MDI resin and applied it to the oriented um, standard particle board, veneer, and medium density fiber board. And it's really shown some promising results. And he's actually been contacted and had some requests from Great Southern Woods to create some product for them. And then it has had another company reach out and they're actually interested in possibly licensing the two patents that he's working on. So to know that that's another source, we know that soybeans can be used in lots of things, but to now think that they can turn it into something to be used in the forestry industry would be a great benefit for our producers.
0: And with the price of wood, any help is appreciated. (laughs) Price of lumber these days.
1: And then I guess some of the education or promotion, some of the things we do is of course Farm City, that's a great promotion Mm -hmm. that all three participate in. Um, Ads in Neighbors Magazines and on Simply Southern and then showcasing some of our members on Simply Southern as well. We also donate to Ag in the Classroom, help fund some of JBE. And then uh, for a few years, the Wheat and Fig grain producers funded the Alabama Ag Expedition. And we haven't been able to do that recently due to COVID, but those years were um, a lot of fun. We took students from Auburn during their spring break and toured the state of alabama and it was all alabama agriculture for a week and so that was a lot of fun to showcase and show them because so many of them in the college of ag no longer come from farms but yet they're going to be the ones out in a few years telling our story or Mm -hmm. you know in the positions and that are important to agriculture so being able to get out and show them what alabama agriculture is and help make those connections was was really a great i would say education and promotion
0: Wow, I'm I'm exhausted. There's so much that's done.
1: And I will say, if anyone wants a list of the research projects, they can reach out to me at any time. We can give those lists, or if you're interested in a particular project and would like the report and we have those, I'll, I'm willing to share those as well.
0: Oh, that's great. We'll also put a link so they can get in touch with you in the right. show notes as
2: well. Right. And now a word from our sponsor, Alabama Ag Credit. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit, and while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources.
0: We were talking about earlier the organizations that we're affiliated with. What national organizations are we involved with, or or how do they come into play with these checkoff programs?
1: Well, it's really important. I mean, if you look across... The, the nation, agriculture is different in the Midwest than it is here in the South, and so it's important that we play a role in those national groups, and And actually, they're really excited. We had the opportunity while we were in D.C. Uh, a few weeks ago, we actually went to a lot of these national groups that have offices there in Washington, D.C., and it was just nice to see some of them face-to-face that maybe we had not. We communicate through email a lot or get on Zoom calls, but be able to go around to the offices and introduce ourselves and um, just to hear how excited they are to have someone from um, alabama involved we have had um, members sit on the national corn growers association board we currently have someone on the national wheat association cotton producers are very involved with national cotton council southern cotton growers american cotton producers cotton board and cotton incorporated and then USB, because it is a federal checkoff, we um, have seats appointed by the amount of bushels we have in our state. So currently we have two seats, but because our bushels decreased at, during the last evaluation, um, I think those are evaluated every five years um, and our bushels decreased, so we'll go back to one seat. But in five years, we could possibly go back. But We know that those commitments to be on those national boards are huge from our producers because it does take them off the farm, but it's also very important that they do that just to make sure that Southern Ag is represented. Sure,
0: absolutely. I I think that's probably a vital part of what we do to have our voice heard all over the country, like you were saying. Right. Well, let's talk about issues. What what current issues are going on with the different commodities in these checkoffs?
1: Well, I would say issues are plentiful. (laughs) The problem is finding the answers. (laughs) I don't think there's a producer out there that does not have some kind of damage due to deer or hogs. Hogs has been a big push recently, but several commented that last year's deer was actually a bigger issue than the hogs. And so that continues to be a problem. We know that trade is a problem. Labor is a problem. We continue to have supply chain issues. We really don't see an end to that. And then just increased input costs across the board where there's fertilizer, fuel, and going back to the supply chain. Are they going to get the herbicides that they need and the pesticides that they need to take care of these disease or the pests later this year is an issue, and we're trying to stay on top of it as best we can and come up with those answers, but they're just not getting here as fast as we would like.
0: More questions than answers.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well,
0: uh, moving into the farm bill, uh, I was talking to Mitt Walker a few weeks ago, and he was mentioning that the farm bill is not on us, but it is coming up. But what do you see the next farm bill looking like? How is that going to impact us?
1: Yeah, Mitt is definitely on top of all things farm bill related, but William and I, uh, American Farm Bureau um, has four subcommittees. So, William is serving on one of those Subcommittees, and I'm serving on another one of those subcommittees. So the talks are beginning. They're slow. Um, it doesn't matter who you talk to up there. there. There's rumblings of a farm bill, but the talks have been extremely slow. I think there's only been one meeting so far, um, and by now you would probably have more, but they're all just kind of trying to figure out what will the next farm bill look like. Um, there's several things that are being dis- discussed by all ag groups, you know, whether it be reference price or the current programs we have, what improvements can we make. And so I just want um, those listening to know that, that we are in those talks. And if you have any ideas or anything you would like to see, just let us know because we're trying to stay as involved as we can. And But this is something that will be slow the next Farm Bill um goes through 2023 so those are when changes in a new farm bill should be put into place but we all know that's been delayed in the past and not knowing what's going to happen with these midterm elections it we're just doing what we can
0: (laughs) (laughs) just doing the best we can that's right (laughs) well i do applaud you and and william green and uh, mitt for staying involved with it because i have seen in the past where if alabama did not have a voice or a seat at the at the table aspects of Alabama agriculture and Southern agriculture can easily be put to the side or moved onto the back burner because agriculture in the Midwest and the West takes on a different flavor than it does. And the things that are relevant to us dealing with a lot of private property and this kind of thing are not as relevant to those in other parts of the country. So thank you for being involved with that and staying uh staying tuned in
1: yeah they 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 get very interesting, like I said on these farm bureau calls, just because we all are coming from different areas and all sharing our concerns, some of them match up, and some of them are a little different a little So <laughs> bit
0: different. that's right <laughs> well Carla is there anything else we need to know about checkoffs about the commodities that we're talking about
1: no I would just like any of um, those listening I know that they're headed back in the fields or they'll soon be getting in the fields and just know that we're continuing to stay on top of the current issues and farm bills discussions so that they can keep farming because we know that's what they want to do so absolutely
0: thank you so much for being with All us right, today, thank Carla. you and now your weekly Ag cash wrap up
2: of the Greenhouse, Nursery, and Sod Division at the Alabama Farmers Federation. I want to announce a great education opportunity through the Greenhouse, Nursery, and Sod Division. The state committee decided to plan a tour outside the state to better understand what is going on in the industry. The tour will take place on June 22nd and 23rd in Pensacola, Florida and the surrounding area. We will begin the agenda in Pensacola on the afternoon of June 22nd with a dinner seminar by Auburn University Horticulture Specialist, Dr. Jeremy Pickens. Jeremy will give us an update on current research results in his focus area of greenhouse and nursery. The tour registration includes accommodations in downtown Pensacola, where attendees may want to explore that evening after the seminar. The morning of June 23 will begin our bus tour. Stops will include the University of Florida's Turf Research Unit near Jay, Florida, where we will hear from turf specialist Dr. Brian Unruh. Also, we will visit Panhandle Growers, which is a field tree nursery. And as a special treat, we will also stop at an oyster hatchery on Escambia Bay. We are finalizing one additional stop and should have that information on the registration website shortly. The tour is limited and registration is on a first-come, first-served basis. It should be an educational, enjoyable experience for all involved. Please see the show notes with a link to registration website with the full agenda and tour information. Please contact me if you have any questions about the tour. We hope you will consider joining us on the tour. Again, I'm Blake and That will wrap us up this week. We look forward to being with you next time.
0: Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org agcast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.